0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with David and Bathsheba, as we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 14. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: God could not allow David's sin. Go unnoticed Or to go unpunished The child was born And David figured, well, that's great, you know He no doubt came to love Bathsheba His first experience with her was not an experience expressing love It was an experience just expressing lust. But he no doubt came to love, even as I believe that many couples are attracted by certain physical characteristics, and later on they actually learn to love each other. Many times you're attracted to another person by certain physical characteristics, and later on you learn to hate them (laughs) as you really get to know them. So love doesn't always follow an attraction, a physical attraction. But people say love at first sight. No, it doesn't really happen that way. Interest at first sight. Attraction maybe. But love is something that grows. Love is something that develops in a relationship. And David thought that things were just going great until the prophet Nathan came to him. And Nathan said to David, there is a man in your kingdom who is very wealthy, had many herds, many flocks, many servants. And there lived next to him a very poor man who, only possession was one ewe lamb. And that lamb ate at his table, drank from his cup, slept next to him. It was like a daughter to him, part of the family. And he loved that ewe lamb, all he had. And this wealthy man had guests come to visit him. And he sent his servants to take by force the one new lamb from his neighbor and to kill it in order that he might feed his guest. And David's anger was kindled hot against the man. And David said, that man shall surely be put to death as the Lord lives. And he shall restore unto the man fourfold. And he went ahead and laid out a real judgment on this guy. And when he was through, Nathan said, David, you are the man. And then he went on to say, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, I gave thee thy master's house, thy master's wives into thy bosom. I gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that wasn't enough, I would have given more to you. David, I've given you everything. I've given you the kingdom. I've given you wives. I've given both Israel and Judah. And if that weren't enough, David, I'd still give you more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do this sin in His sight? David, when God has given you so much, why would you despise His commandment? Why would you do this when when God has been so good? Why is it that when God has been so good to us that we just don't appreciate And be satisfied with what God has done. Why do we sometimes reach out for more when we already have more than what we can possibly use or enjoy? David, you've got all these wives. Why would you take a wife of another man? Why would you despise the commandment of God? Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from thy house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite as your wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them unto thy neighbor and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun, for you did it secretly. But I will do this before all of Israel and before the sun. And David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Now David's judgment for this man was he shall surely be put to death. God's judgment for David was, you will not die. However, David, you're not going to get off scot-free. You cannot sin with impunity and expect God to just let you off the hook completely. There are always those people who are misinterpreting the grace of God. Paul spoke about those who said, let us sin freely that grace may abound. For if where sin abounds, grace overflows, then let's go out and sin freely in order that grace might just overflow. God has declared that all are sinners so that if I just go out and sin, I'm only proving that God is true. Now why should God judge me? Because I'm proving that He's telling the truth, that all men are sinners. I'm just helping to prove God's truth. Paul said, whose damnation is just. Those kind of philosophies. Any philosophy that leads you into sin, presuming on the grace of God, is a damnable philosophy. Peter speaks of the words of Paul, and of course Paul's preaching was that of the gospel of grace and the forgiveness of sins by faith in Jesus Christ, which is a glorious gospel. But Peter tells how those people were subverting the gospel, using this gospel of grace as a cloak for their own lasciviousness. Well, sure, let's go ahead and do it, and then we'll pray and ask God to forgive us, because surely God is merciful and He'll forgive us. And thus, people are willfully transgressing the law of God with that anticipation of grace and forgiveness. That should never be. I should never knowingly, willfully go into sin expecting to come back to God and say, Oh God, please forgive me, and presuming on the grace of God. The Bible says, Keep thyself from sin. Flee the youthful lust that damn men's souls in perdition. And as it speaks of the works of the flesh in Galatians 5, are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, it goes on, lying and envying and stealing and so forth. And it says, and they that do such things shall have no part in the kingdom of God. And I question concerning the true conversion of a person who deliberately, willfully sins against God with the idea, oh well, I'll just ask forgiveness and receive the grace of God. God's grace was never intended to be presumed upon by us. And sin, though forgiven, leaves its mark. There are certain aspects of sin that cannot be undone. There are certain marks that sin leaves upon the lives of yourself and the lives of others that remain. It remains a, a mar, a scar in your conscience even though you've received the forgiveness of God, still your conscience is telling you that you did wrong deliberately, willfully. You did wrong in the eyes of the Lord, and your conscience never lets you forget it. And years may pass, but it remains there in your consciousness, and someday when calamity befalls you down the line, you'll remember your sin. Joseph's brothers sold him as a slave into Egypt. And Joseph went down into Egypt. His brothers betrayed him, sold him as a slave for 20 pieces of silver, They cared not that Joseph was crying and saying, oh, please guys, don't do this. Oh, and he was weeping. And as the last they saw him, the guy was just crying as he was on the cart being carried down to Egypt. Their brother, they were heartless. They were cruel. But it stuck in their minds. And almost 20 years later, when they were in Egypt and having a bad time because of the Pharaoh's rep, they turned to each other and they said, You know, we're getting what's coming to us. Don't you remember Joseph and how he was crying and all? Man is coming back to us. You don't get away from your conscience, it sticks. The scars are there. You don't escape them. And the scars that are left upon those around you, the hurt that come. And though the Lord said to David, Thou art forgiven. You will not die, yet these things are going to happen, David, because of your sin. One of the tragic things of the sin of David was brought to his mind by the prophet. He said, you have caused the enemies of God to blaspheme. I think that one of the tragic byproducts of a sin in the life of a believer is the fact that the enemies of God look at it and they blaspheme God. That so-and-so, you know, he's supposed to be a Christian. Look what he did to me. You know, and they're blaspheming God because of your actions. Because of what you have done. Maybe you've been guilty of ripping them off in a business deal. And you know you ripped them off. And you come and say, oh, God, forgive me, please. You know, and you think it's all over. And you go to rip off someone else keeping the idea in mind, well, I'll just come and ask God's forgiveness. No, it doesn't work that way. But the effect of that is that there are many people who are going under the name of Christianity that are doing such things, and that is why Christianity has such a bad name in the eyes of the world today, is because the Christians haven't been living a life of purity and righteousness and holiness before God. And no one picks up on it quicker than the worldly people who blaspheme the name of God because of our actions, our inconsistencies. And so the punishment, the sword was never to depart from David's house. His own children were going to rise up and rebel against him. His own wives were going to be humiliated publicly and the child that was to be born or the child that was born was going to die. This sort of marks a watershed in David's life. This experience sort of took the fire out of David. From this point on, calamities rebellion problems within his home began to arise and it is interesting that David rather than trying to deal with them and fight with them was just sort of you know just sort of consigned to them he he didn't try to rise he just sort of accepted it this is of god this is god's judgment and and he didn't try to well he, he just the inner you know that that drives you on, that push was gone. It, It sort of was just drained out of David from this experience onward. Sad and tragic when the fire is gone out of a person's life. The words of God were gracious indeed. Thy sin is forgiven, you will not die. At this point, Psalm 32 It was written by David upon hearing the words of the prophet, thy sins are forgiven, you will not die. David wrote, blessed is he, and the word blessed means, oh, how happy. Oh, how happy is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Now, you see, while David was trying to cover this thing, there was all kinds of guile going on. Calling Uriah back, trying to get him to go home, to be with his wife. It was all a part of a a deceitful scheme of David. All this guile that was there. You know, when you're a deceitful person, you're always living in fear and in worry that you're going to get caught. Someone's going to catch up with you. Someone's going to find out. The truth is going to out. And you're going through all these little deceptive things and trying to, you know, cover and say, oh, who, me? Well, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. And you're going through all of this deception, but you know and you're fearful constantly that it's going to come out. Someone's going to find out. Someone's going to see me. Someone's going to know. Someone's going to blow the whistle on me. Happy is the man who can be straight, who can be honest, who can be forthright, who doesn't have to deceive and hide and connive. When I kept silence, that is when I wasn't, wouldn't confess it to God, when I was trying to just cover the thing, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long, for night and day, day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me, and my moisture is turned into the drought of summer. That's the first strophe of this psalm. A man who has just experienced the forgiveness of sin, but he also relates how heavy was the conviction upon his heart prior to the forgiveness. Man, it was heavy duty. I was just all dried up within. God's hand, day and night, was heavy upon me. And then he said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. The next strophe of the psalm, as he expresses his confession and the resultant forgiveness. Oh, how happy is the man who has that load of sin taken away, who has the guilt removed. But there is still a price that must be paid. The sword is still going to be upon his house. His children are still going to rebel. His wives are still going to be humiliated. And his child is still going to die. And so it came to pass that the child took sick and David laid on the ground grieving and the servants tried to get him to eat but he refused any food. He'd just lie there groaning. And for seven days, he lay there on the ground groaning, not eating. And on the seventh day, the child died. And the servants were worried. They said, what shall we do? How are we going to tell him? If he's grieved this much while the child was living, what's he going to do when he finds out the child's dead? And he heard the servants whispering and he said, is the child dead? And they said, yes. And David got up, went in, took a shower, dressed himself, fresh clothes, came out and he ordered dinner. They said, man, we don't understand you. While the child was sick, you're lying there, groaning, not eating, filthy, now that the child is dead, you've showered and you want to eat, you want a dinner. What's going on? And he said, as long as the child was alive, I had hope that God might be gracious and spare the child's life. But now that the child is dead, I can't do anything more. I think that David Reedy really had a very healthy attitude towards death. What more can you do? He said, I shall go to be where he is, though he cannot return to me. David showing his confidence in life after death. David showing confidence that his child was with the Lord, that his child was saved, and that he would go to be with his child, though his child would not be able to return to him.
0: We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 2 Samuel on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Second Samuel 11 through 12 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org.
1: And may He open up your heart and your mind and your understanding to the things of the Spirit. May you live in that place where God can bless you as He desires to bless you. May you keep yourself in the love of God. In Jesus' name. This
0: program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Come study the Bible with Pastor Chuck Smith as he teaches from Genesis through Revelation on a digitally remastered audio edition of Pastor Chuck's Bible commentary. That's over 600 audio MP3 files of Pastor Chuck teaching through the entire Bible, all on a 16 gig reusable flash drive. Now you can easily listen to Pastor Chuck's Bible commentaries when you insert this key into your computer. Then you can transfer all of these audio Bible studies to a smartphone or any other listening device to learn and study God's Word on the go. And not only that, you can reuse this flash drive that easily fits onto any key ring for even more mobility at a fraction of the cost. What a great way to study and learn God's Word. For more information, please call The Word for Today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.